bite of the apple. It's beautiful. It's going to taste incredible. You're going to love it. No, God didn't say you couldn't have it. As a matter of fact, God's trying to keep you from fun. If you bite that apple, you'll be just like God. Go ahead, take a bite. Have we not all experienced the temptation of sin? Come on, have we not all given in to the temptation to sin from time to time? Come on, are y'all out there? See, it's, it's, it's really being a part of humanity because when we're a part of humanity, let's just admit it. We, who, who's experienced temptation? Let me see your hand. Come on, I need to know you're awake. All right. So that's why God gave us his incredible grace because after the fall, our propensity to sin. And let's, let's be real. Temptation can be tough, hadn't it? We've all battled it. We've tried to gut it out. We've tried to will it out. There's almost not a weekend go by, goes by that someone doesn't stop me and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I am caught in the trap of temptation. Would you pray for me that I will be released from this trap? And let me tell you what God did. God promised us that he would make a way of escape. Now, if you're in the Bible reading plan, you read this verse this weekend. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13, if you're not in the Bible reading plan, by the way, I want to challenge you to just go online, grab it, follow up. It's, you're way too far behind to catch up, so please don't try to catch up. Just go ahead and start in the morning right there with us. But this was this weekend. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. We've all experienced it. Just don't act like we're the only ones. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, with, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape. Do not believe the lie of the enemy that you, that you cannot stand against temptation because with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. Don't blame your parents, don't blame God, don't blame the devil. Listen, don't even join the blame game. Well, it's not my fault, it's the culture's fault, it's everybody else's fault because those who blame will miss a life of blessing. If you accept excuses, you will never excel. You'll never walk in victory. You'll never go to the next level. Welcome, Promisers, all of our campuses this weekend. Great to see you, whether this is your first weekend or you're an all-in, sold-out Promiser. Man, we're excited to have you. You picked an incredible weekend, by the way, to come be with us. Even if you're not a believer yet, you picked a great weekend because we're going to look at the process of temptation. We love you. We're glad you're with us. This month, we're hanging out with PJ, Pastor James, who wrote the book of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. If you missed last weekend, we really sort of set the hook on truthers, and so we want to ch- I want to challenge you to go back and get that if you missed it, because it lays out the foundation for James and for the author and what the book is all about. It'll help you. Uh, truthers, which is a new term for me. I'd never heard of it. Truthers. That's someone who doubts the generally accepted account or belief of something, no matter how it may look or sound. So uh, it's really tempting to actually make make fun of conspiracy theories, isn't it? I made fun last weekend of flat earthers, and lo and behold, we got some. So, you know, man, it's really terrible when somebody at church said, hey, you called me stupid for 30 minutes. And so... 
but what happens when we, when we make fun of, of a conspiracy theory like the Apollo 13 never actually landed on the moon, that was all a Hollywood simulation. When you, when, you, when you talk about them, you just keep those conspiracy theories alive. That's what happens when you make fun of them. It's like people think you may agree with them and it just keeps on going. So sharing is sharing is sharing. It's the same with us who are Christ followers. When we're mocked, it's a good thing because people are talking about the gospel. And when people talk about the gospel, it spreads. I love what, what Rick Warren said. I'd rather be hated than ignored. And so when we are talking about the gospel, see, we, we who, who people make fun of us that we believe the virgin birth. Anybody believe Jesus was virgin born? Come on, let me hear you on all of our campuses. We believe the resurrection. We believe the Bible is the word of God. And the world should think we're crazy. We should be so different than everybody else. They should think we're crazy. But the more they're talking about what we believe, the more it begins to spread. So we believe what we believe regardless of how the world thinks about it. Now, let me ask you a question. Anybody here drive a pickup truck? Any pickup truck drivers? All right, I've got an F-150. And the... The, F, the 150 is, is the rating on the frame. It's a half-ton truck, F-150. You can put 1,000 pounds in the bed, <clears throat> and the truck is rated for that. There's a three-quarter ton truck. There's a dually. There's a, there's a full-ton truck, and it rates what your frame can handle. Well, God said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that you will never receive more than you are able to handle, and in it, God will provide a way of escape. In Psalms 139, verse 15, God, the psalmist said to the Lord, you know my frame when I was skillfully wrought, you made in secret, you know my frame. We have a frame like a pickup truck. And if you take an F-150 and you put 2,000 pounds in it, you're gonna bust the shocks. Well, God says, I will never bust your shocks. I will never give you or allow to be around you more than you are able. So when you encounter temptation, don't blame God because God doesn't tempt anyone. So James says, because he paints an incredible picture, really one of the best on the process of temptation. Verse 13, chapter one, let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God for God cannot tempt anyone by evil and he himself is not tempted and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one, verse 14, this is incredible. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his or her own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given, every perfect gift comes down from the Father above where there is no variation or shifting of shadow. So, uh, it, so here's the deal. If you want to overcome temptation, you better understand temptation. Does that make sense? You got to know your enemy. Who wants to hold up under temptation? Who wants to be holy? Who wants to obey God? Anybody in here want it? Come on, come on, let me hear you. Let me hear you. We should, every Christ follower should be all in because Jesus said in his model prayer, pray that you would not enter into temptation, but you would be delivered from evil. So that's, that's the will of God for us. See, there's a giant problem in us standing tall. And the problem is we have an enemy. 
And our enemy is a master angler. Our enemy is a master fisherman. And his tackle box is loaded. So look at what James tells us in this illustration he gives us. He said, each one is tempted. This is when you are tempted, when you are, when you are carried away and you are enticed by your own lust. When there's a desire in you to be tempted or to be carried away is a fishing term. It means to lure a fish from undercover. You want to go fishing, there's no reason throwing a bait, they're not biting. So Pastor James paints a picture so we perceive and understand how the enemy works. Does that make, does that make sense? He, he shows us as he creates bait for each of us. Are you with me? And so Satan, when he wants to tempt you, he understands you, he perceives you, he watches you, and then he creates bait to catch you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught by the enemy. And so what does the enemy do? He begins to tie a fly. He begins to tie the fly with something you want, something you desire. And the enemy is constantly trolling for you. So he'll customize a fly just for you. Now, when a fish takes the bait, he doesn't immediately realize that he has been caught until the hook is set in his mouth. So, so what, what we've got to realize is some of us here have taken the bait, but we haven't yet felt the sting of the hook. So, so it is to lure a fish from undercover and, and using our lust, our desires. See, lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. It is, God gives us desires, but God gives us how to satisfy those desires. And when we satisfy those desires in an ungodly way, it becomes sin. So to overcome temptation, we've got to understand temptation. And here's the deal. Temptation is a process. It's not an event. We see the event. We see the fall. We see the divorce. We see the, the bankruptcy. We see the imprisonment, but we don't see the process that led up to that. And just like a fish, we don't realize that we've been hooked, but we will. Because hell knows your weaknesses. And like a fisherman, he's going to find out what you'll bite, and he will catch you off guard just looking for something, wanting something. And let me tell you something about the enemy. He is very patient. He's been fishing for thousands of years. Now, God gave us desires, but if we are not careful, Satan will use those desires to gut us like a fish. So temptation offers beautiful baits, but you never see the hook. As I look at that, you can't see the hook. But when you get inside there, there's a hook. And for us, the hook is the consequences of our sin. So what kind of bait is the devil offering you? Nehemiah said this, I consulted with myself. So we do, do y'all believe that the devil's fishing for us? So as the devil fishes for you, what kind of bait is he gonna use? 
Because see, you have to realize that if you're going to stand strong against temptation, you've got to know what kind of fly he's going to tie. Let me tell you about hell. In hell, Satan's got a man cave, and it's full of trophies. He's got people hanging on the wall. And so the enemy knows what bait to throw. So what bait is he going to use to tempt you? He's going to throw it right at your lust, right at your desires. He's going to throw it. You want it. Go ahead. Nobody will ever find out. Go ahead. God wants you to be happy. It's okay that you do that. You deserve it. Take the bait. It looks good. It's going to be so much fun until we take the bait and the devil sets the hook. See, you never think about the hook when you're taking the bait. Sin will take you farther than you ever planned on going. Sin will cost you more than you ever planned on paying. And sin will keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. Are you with me? Nobody who smoked their first joint ever thought, I'm going to be a crackhead. Nobody who drank the first cold beer ever dreamed, I'm going to be an alcoholic and beat my wife and my children. Are you with me? See, we never think of the consequences, but the devil knows what we want. And he will throw that bait right in front of you. Because the devil's got an ultimate outcome. And it's James 1.15. It says this, but when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth what? Death. See, temptation is a deception disguised by the devil to destroy you. The bait looks good. It looks fun. It's enticing. Stolen bread is sweet. Proverbs says we get an adrenaline rush. It's exciting. It's thrilling. But the end is the way of death. And so once once James paints this picture in verse 14 about enticing us out from under our protection, then he changes the metaphor in verse 15. He said, when lust is conceived, it's the picture of childbirth. Lust is conceived. See, we get pregnant with desires. We, we want something. We get about 16, 17 as a young man and we have these hormones raging and we want sex or we've got all these, these things going on, weeks, months, year. But if we give in, if lust, if we give in to the lust, it conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is produced, it brings forth death. See, what is conceived by lust is not life. We saw some beautiful children up here a few minutes ago, didn't we? And baby dedication, I love baby dedication. I love the new life and the new thoughts and the new possibilities. And the next Billy Graham, the next, you know, incredible leader at Faith Promise that may be up on this stage. It's only 22 inches long, but man, I love it. But see, that's not what's birthed out of sin. What sin is going to bring forth is death. And I love about God is God was not forced into forgiving us. God was loved into forgiving us. Adam and Eve sinned and took the first bite of the fruit in the garden and ran and hid from God and God immediately went out seeking Adam and Eve. See, God will bring grace to your hiding place. Are y'all with me? You may think you're hiding, but you don't hide from God. And come on, with thousands this weekend, there are some of you that are in this process 
of temptation leading us in. You're struggling, you're wrestling. Some teenage young lady's deciding, am I gonna give my virginity away? I mean, I love this guy. We're probably gonna get married anyway. It's gonna be okay. And that process, we're all in somewhere in that. See, lust is a desire, but lust is a liar. And lust will tell you it's gonna be okay. Give in to this desire. It's gonna be all right. And before you've known it, know it, you have been, you have been fully engulfed with sin. Like the fish who's bitten the bait, swimming away, and not knowing that the angler's about to hook. When it grows up, it's gonna bring forth death. Does this make sense? If we could be real, some of us are already hanging on the wall of hell, stuffed and mounted, because we are caught in a deception. We are stuck in sin. Come on, if you could just be honest, you know it. It's there, you may not even realize it. And then what's, what's so horrible about the devil, he throws the bait, he gets you to bite the bait, he reels you in, and then he begins to accuse you of what you've done. Look at what you have done. Aren't you ashamed? Aren't you guilt-ridden? Look at what you did. It's unbelievable. And it's unforgivable. There's no way God can love you and forgive you. Look at how evil you've been. Run, hide, lie, cover it up, keep it hidden. And whatever you do, don't confess it. Because those people down there at Faith Promise They'll reject you if they knew what you were really like. They'll reject you if they knew what you really did. Hey, listen, if they promise we're about real people with real problems, finding real forgiveness and real love. We're not playing games. Come on, man. We're not, we're not religious people trying to get dressed up and impress each other with our cars and our clothes. We're about real people struggling, understanding. We're all faced with these temptations. So what do we do in the midst of it? Look what he says in verse 16. Do not be deceived, don't bite the bait. It looks good, it looks fun, it looks enticing. Don't bite the bait. Don't bite the bait, my beloved brother. Then he reminds us right in the middle of this temptation, hey, by the way, remember every good thing and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father whether who's no variation or shifting of shadows. Listen, you want good things? They don't come from hell. They don't come from temptation. They come from our good, good God. Because our good, good God is a good, good father. And so we, he just stops and reminds us that everything we have that's good comes from God. Now, this book remembers about spiritual maturity. It's about not growing old in God. It's about growing up in God. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say, I am. How does a fish get big? By not biting the bait, that's how. Because when you bite the bait as a fish, you're gonna be gutted, scaled, and thrown into 350 degree grease with some hush puppies and french fries. Come on, baby. I mean, we're gonna fry you up. But a fish gets big because he says, I see that, I'm not biting that. I, I want it, I'm hungry, but I'm not biting that. That's got, I see that line, I see there's a boat up there. Come on, listen. <laughs> Come on, there's a reason they make every bass boat shiny because a redneck's gonna buy something that's got some glitter. Y'all with me? <laughs> I see it up there, glitter. I see you up there. I'm not biting that. See, what we have to realize is God knows what's best for us. Do we trust God? 
then we want to walk in purity and obedience. Paul said it's obeying the commands that counts. We want to honor him. We trust his best. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. You'll obey me out of love. You'll Ephesians 4.30. Hey, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. So you've got to know the process of sin. Let me tell you what else you got to know. Let me help you right here because we want to be pure, right? All right, four of you. We want to be pure, right? We want to stand against temptation, right? So let me, you have to understand the seasons of your life. Now, fishing, if you've never been, is complicated. You don't just go by rod and reel and a worm and throw it in somewhere. You just drive down by the park and throw and, and throw it in. No, no, fishing's complicated. You gotta know the season. You gotta know what they're biting. You gotta have different baits. You gotta know what the temperature of the water. Are they on the bed? Are they spawning? Are they in the brush pile? Are they in the rocks? Where are they? What are they? It's complicated. So if I'm gonna go fishing, I'm gonna go fishing with somebody who knows how to fish. Because I don't know all that stuff. Are you with me? So instead of learning it, I just call. Jim High School or Ron Noe said, hey, I want to go fishing. Take me. I don't need a boat. I don't need a pole. I just show up with a, a, you know, a cooler of ice water and some sandwiches. I love it. What we have to realize is the triggers of our own temptation. If the devil is going to take time to study your lusts and your desires, is he? then you need to understand you. Nehemiah said, I consulted with myself. So what are the seasons of life? What are the temptations the devil's gonna tie? Well, let me give you a couple. When you're under pressure, when man, you're being pressed by your boss or the economy, you're under pressure. After living under pressure, you'll feel entitled to something that maybe God says you shouldn't do. Or maybe you're experiencing fatigue, you're, you're really, really tired, and when you're really, really tired and you don't have any energy, you're more susceptible to temptation, and maybe you just are looking for a release. And so the devil will throw a different lure. Maybe you feel lonely, maybe you're a single adult. You feel a little empty. You just need to swipe right, you just need to hook up, because I feel lonely, I feel empty. Maybe you're isolated. Can I tell you when you're isolated from the rest of the body of Christ, you don't have a group of believers around you, you're easy pickings. And so the devil's gonna, he's gonna have another kind of bait. He's got plenty of them. Maybe during this time of social distancing, you sort of feel lost. Do you know that compared to this same time last year, depression's up 600%? Anxiety's up 650%. Why? Because we've social distance and we've lost the protection and the closeness and the incarnation. So what do we do? We remember that God's good, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We Psalms 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against you. It's the reason one of our values is that we grow together. Because here at Faith Promise, we realize we need each other. The Bible is very clear. There are dozens of one another in commands. We need each other. Matter of fact, we're about to hit our, our, our fall semester of small groups. If you're not in one, you need to find you one. We'll be launching more freedom groups. It's going to be incredible. You say, but listen, I'm an introvert, and I don't really know anybody, and it scares me to death. Come on, it scares me to death 
going to somebody's house with a group of people, I'm asking you to take a spiritual risk because it's more dangerous to be alone out there and being trolled for by the devil than going to a group and you don't know anybody. I'm asking you to take a risk and get in some people who can, we can learn each other's blind spots and pray for each other, protect each other and love each other. Y'all with me? James 5, 16 says this, because this is where we, again, we so need each other. Confess your sins one to another. Oh, no, no, I don't confess my sins to any man. The Bible says confess your sins, your weakness to each other. Why? Because the effects of fervor of prayer of a righteous man will evade the bunch and you'll be healed. Part of what you need only happens in community. We understand that there's an angler trolling for us. We understand these times of temptation and the seasons will end where we are more susceptible, but we need help. First Peter warns us in this way, verse eight, chapter five, be, be sober, be on the alert. That fish gets big cause it's on the alert. Come on, that big old buck, deer gets big because he only moves at night until the run, until he's chasing does. Then the season he's susceptible, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same experiences of suffering be accomplished by your brethren. James 1, 4, let endurance have its perfect results, knowing that the testing of your produces endurance. Let, let, it, let us, if we walk and resist temptation, we will become perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Now we know the devil doesn't practice catch and release. He wants to hang you on his wall, but Jesus does. Jesus catches us by salvation and releases us of our past and pain and chains and oppression. We had Freedom Conference this weekend. Hundreds went, it was incredible. Hundreds of people got delivered. It was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in the 25 years of Faith Promise. It was incredible. We'll have another Freedom Conference in January. If you've not been through Freedom, man, you can get in a Freedom group this fall. Because I'm telling you, Satan goes in, got Jesus when he died, he went to the war room of hell, the trophy room, and he took the keys to your victory. Come on, you say, but Pastor, I'm so stuck in sin. The Bible says if you'll confess your sin, which means just to agree with God, God, this is where I'm, I'm stuck. He's faithful and just, forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God, I pray for every promiser. I pray, Father, that we will walk in power, that we will not be, that we will not be tempted you said that we would not be tempted beyond what we are able, but you'll provide a way of escape. Show us the highway of holiness. Show us where to walk. Show us how to walk. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit. God's self-will will never make it, but the power of the Spirit of God in us, living in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in me, God. Help me walk in holiness. Jesus, thank you for catching me. Thank you for releasing me. And now I'm gonna walk in victory. I'm gonna walk a highway of holiness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give King Jesus a shout of praise.